to the Mastering College Podcast, a guide to landing your dream job. I'm your host, Daniel Botero, and my goal is to help you take away that fear of graduating without a job and instead teach you how to land your dream job. Welcome, welcome back to this episode of the podcast. Today, I have a very special guest for you. He is the founder of Clear Degree, Dell Leatherwood. And I met Dell through a mutual connection, and I was very excited to have him on the podcast because we're going to talk about how you can reduce some of that cost of universities and really understand, understanding what is it that you pay for. But without further ado, Dell, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Daniel, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I love what you're doing and love getting the chance to talk to some of your listeners about college, university, and uh, spending a little bit less to get the career of your dreams. I love that this topic. I'm very excited for just to even spend some time talking to you and picking your brain a little bit more, this time in a recording setting. Del, for the audience that doesn't know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how did you get to this point? Sure. Uh, Daniel, I've been in the training and higher education space going on around 25 years. Um, I was one of the lucky folks when I graduated many years ago. I got a job in marketing after getting a degree in marketing, which doesn't happen all that often. Um, after a few years in various marketing roles, I got into the education space. Um, and over the last 25 years, I've been involved in education, higher education, and distance learning. And during that time, for the majority of that time, have been focused on really helping students find good colleges, understanding what goes into finding the right degree programs. And then most recently with Clear Degree, we help working professionals find the online program of their dreams and uh, make sure they can afford it and get into the perfect ideal program for them. Can you um, elaborate a little bit more of what Clear Degree is? And you said it briefly in a sentence, but... I just find it so fascinating. And how has your experiences helped you get to the point of starting Clear Degree and not helping um, people find their ideal, I guess, education? Sure. So we started Clear Degree really out of frustration. Um, we knew that higher education has gone through a ton of changes over the last decade, a lot of growth in some areas, shrinking in other areas, a lot of expansion to online education and different kinds of initiatives. We all know how expensive college can be. And what we felt was that the student, the person who higher education should be all about, has been lost in that conversation, in that discussion. And the strategy is about how can the university succeed, not always about how the student can get the most return on their investment. And so we start a clear degree with a clear and specific focus on students. And in our case, we focus on working professionals, working adults who are looking to go back to school and finish their degree or get an advanced degree. And the, the reality is, Daniel, the plurality of students, in fact, the majority now in college are non-traditional students. These are folks who took a year after high school or are working adults, military, things of that sort. And there are also about 37 million adults with some college but no degree. And a lot of those adults are paying student loans for a degree they never got. And that just that makes no sense at all. So what we want to really focus on and help is making sure students not only find the right program 
at the right school, but pay the right amount of money for that. And there are a lot of really cool things you can do to ensure that either you don't have to take out loans or you're spending as little as possible to get the most out of your degree as possible. And so that was really what intrigued me is because you help people create a plan for their college and to be able to save money on their tuition or avoid student loans as much as possible in Mm -hmm. a sense, as well as, you know, even things that I forgot they existed like CLEP exams. Um, So let's dive into a little bit of what are some ways that current students now Mm -hmm. can save money while going to college? Sure. So if you are a traditional student, I've got one myself, he's a freshman in college. If you're a traditional student in school and you're thinking about how can I afford this or you're having some concerns or issues, it's really not too late. There's some fundamental things you have to remember. Number one is make sure they talk about the FAFSA a lot, particularly when you're in high school and you're about to go to college. But obviously, it's very important to remember you need to do that FAFSA every single year because if your financial situation changes, either in your family, yourself, however your status is, whether dependent or independent, or if you transition from being a dependent student to an independent student, your financial situation changes. Therefore, the amount that you're eligible for can change. So, for example, there are a lot of students who are on sort of a cutoff line between getting a Pell Grant and not getting a Pell Grant. If your income situation, your family changes even a little bit to be a lower level of income, or you may be having a sibling who's starting college, those things all go into the factoring of figuring out what your financial aid award is, and that could theoretically include a Pell Grant if you're a little bit low, if you're a lower income family. That's fundamental thing is the FAFSA. But another couple of things that students can do specifically while they're in school, and the key is to remember what it is that you're paying for. You're paying for credits. Those credits make up your degree. Most undergrad degrees are 120 credit hours, semester credit hours, or 180 quarter credit hours. And anything you can do to get as many of those credits for as little as possible makes sense. So I'm going to talk about three specific things. Number one, when you are putting your semester plan together, a lot of schools have a maximum number of credit hours you have to pay for per semester. A lot of schools say between 12, which is the minimum to get financial aid, and say 18, 19 credit hours cost the same for the semester. So they have a flat cost above 12, maybe 14 credit hours. Make sure you're checking with your school to see if that's the case. If that is the case and you're only taking 12 credit hours, you're leaving money on the table. So in other words, if you take 15 credit hours in that scenario, it costs the same as taking 12. And that's essentially like getting a class for free. So that's a real thing a lot of schools have. Why is that? And can you elaborate? <clears throat> so the essentially the institutions get paid financial aid from the government based on a minimum number of credit hours. Beyond that, they have less care about how many credit hours you take beyond a certain number. Now, if you take above that, say 18, if you take above that, they'll charge you more. Not every school does this, but a lot of schools have essentially flat tuition between 12 or 13 and, say, 18 to 20. So you definitely want to look into that because if that's the case, you can max out your credit hours for a particular semester, take a couple of classes that maybe are a little easier, 
and save a lot of money. Number two, and number two and three are, are similar in, in the same kind of vein, but checking to see if the school will allow CLEP while you're in school. So CLEP is a college preparatory test that allows you to test out of your gen ed classes. You could take a CLEP exam for American history or college algebra, sociology, microeconomics, things like that. The vast majority of schools accept CLEP. A lot of schools will accept CLEP while you're in school. So you could be in your second or third semester, semester, have a sociology class. During the summer, you could take that sociology CLEP test and it costs $87 and then transfer into the school while you're in school. So that's another easy way to save a lot of money. If you're paying $1,200 or even $400 for a three credit hour sociology class, $400 is still a lot more than $87. And if you can do that for five classes over the first two or three, four semesters, that could save you a lot of money. I mean, that could be two grand off your tuition, right? Right. And, and so I know that one of them that is very common is foreign language. So yes. if you are, you know, if you're Hispanic and you speak Spanish and English, you can taste that CLEP exam yeah. tomorrow and get it done. And you've now covered uh, your foreign language requirement if you didn't take a foreign language yeah. in high school. If you took one in high school, it typically will count. I've had situations of working with clients where we've shown, say a school like UCF, a reasonable number of CLEP exams can save seven or $8,000. Um, wow. it's, it's pretty amazing. And there are resources available where you can get CLEP exam prep for free. And these are college, are, uh, college instructor created online preparatory classes for CLEP exams. They cost nothing. Mm -hmm. And when you take that prep exam or the prep courses, you then get a voucher to take the exam for free. So you could get a three credit hour psychology course for $0 to transfer into your college. And again, the key to this is many colleges will accept a CLEP exam for transfer while you're in school. The key with all of this is understanding what is the letter of the law when it comes to colleges. It's not what an admissions officer tells you. It's not what a financial aid officer tells you. It's not what a dean or provost tells you. It is what is written in their catalog. The catalog is essentially a regulatorily required legal document. If the school does something that violates their catalog, they can get in trouble. Their catalog is the rule. So if the catalog says you can take a CLEP exam while you're in school or you can take a CLEP exam while in school with the permission of your department chair, that's the rule. It doesn't matter what anyone else tells you. And you should ask, in fact, demand the opportunity to do so. Because they should say yes. Why shouldn't they, right? Right, um, right. They want money, but they want to keep you in school as well. So that's the second thing. And the third thing, and this is a little bit, this is far less common, but it's something that um, many schools allow, more and more schools are allowing it. It's what's called transient credit. So we're all aware of transfer credit, right? Transient credit, and it's called different things by different schools, but transient credit is probably the most common term. It is where you attend a different school for a semester or a portion of a semester to take classes and then transfer them back into your school. So you're attending, let's say, Flagler College out in St. Augs. Beautiful school, very nice school, private institution, not really super expensive, but certainly not inexpensive because it's private. You can, with 
certain within certain rules, take a class or a semester at say your local community college and then transfer those credits into Flagler while you're a Flagler student. So it's almost like going to school at two different places at the same time. That wasn't a, a reasonable thing to think about doing five, 10 years ago. But now with online programs, I could be a student in school A, take credits at school B in a community college, for example, and earn credits at both schools and then simply combine the credit into my degree program. So this, where this is really helpful is if you're attending, let's say UF allows it, I believe they do, but you're attending UF from out of state. Well, if you're attending UF in state, the tuition is really, really good. You're not gonna spend that much. But if you're attending from out of state, it's I think $500 a credit hour. So let's say I live in Virginia and I'm attending UF and I wanna save some money, and, but I don't wanna do CLEP necessarily. You could find out who your local community college is in your home city that you're a resident in. They have an online program. You go to class at UF, you do the online program when you can, and then you transfer those local community college credits into UF, and you're saving probably $1,200 on that class. I, my wife went to UF, and I know UF's not the only university in Florida that did, did that, but they did that, and that was very common for summer. Yes. For, for, for summer classes. Yes. And they, they will allow you to go to community college at your hometown, mm -hmm. so you could be summer, save the money for rent and whatever it is, and then yep. come back in fall semester. And guess what UF is doing now? So UF, for the online program, they're actually requiring you to take summer classes at UF. <laughs> Um, but where that was a really popular summer opportunity because you're back home, now with online, you could do it concurrently. So if I have a choice, here's the bottom line. Remember I said, remember what you're paying for. Here's the, the, the point I'm trying to make. U.S. history since 1865, very common U.S. history class. It hasn't changed since 1866. So why pay $1,200, $1,800, $900 for that class when you can get the exact same content that really isn't super relevant towards your degree. It's important. You should learn it. Absolutely. But that exact same content you can get for an $85 test or a $350 community college class. Mm -hmm. There's no reason to waste that money because you want to then make sure you're maximizing the education you get for the least amount of dollars and not affecting what you're really there to learn, what you're really paying for, which are the courses in your degree and the experience with your instructors, your mentors, your internships, your fellow students, and not a 300 seat sociology class that right. we just want to get out of. And I think you've mentioned a lot of interesting things and it's what you're, remember what you're paying for because now I remember even watching when the iPhone had, um, the university app where you can watch Harvard professors mm -hmm. for free, and you could, and even I, I even read a do, um, a different news article talking about how some of these I top universities will have all their you could take all the classes online for yeah. free. The only difference is that you graduate, you didn't have a degree to show for. In sure, yeah, a lot of schools are offering through Coursera and other sources. Tons of their content, not for credit essentially, but you're, you're learning the same information you can apply to a resume. And a lot of those programs are providing badges and badges in many ways are being evaluated by employers as a, not a substitute necessarily, but 
to augment a degree. Where that becomes extremely valuable, and you know this, Daniel, very well, if the more technical your degree area, the more the easier it is to find qualified, quantified, and acceptable information, knowledge, courses, and classes that employers will accept. If I'm in the IT space and I have a, a high-level Cisco certification, the employer really doesn't care where I get that from. Now, where the employer cares is if you have a Cisco certification and you can carry on a conversation with a client. That's where the college degree becomes very, very valuable. <clears throat> so the ability to also find, combine a lower cost degree, that's a more, of a, more on the liberal arts side or business, I'll call it more generic, with an IT certification or a coding certification, things of that sort, is also another way to save a lot of money. There are a lot of very successful people, and I'm not recommending this path to anyone. I'm just saying this path exists for a lot of very successful people who have an associate's degree or four-year bachelor's from, say, Seminole State that costs less than $10,000 and a coding or an IT certification that costs another five to $8,000. So all in, they're spending far less than twenty grand, and their starting salary, <clears throat> because of that combined capability, Six is huge yeah and the potential is six figure you may start at yeah, 80 yeah you'll get to 200 in a fairly short order provided right. you, you can do the job so hack the system yep. don't let the school define what you're supposed to pay the biggest problem that students have with going to school and paying for school they don't ask questions they're very confused they accept what the school tells them and i'll tell you a personal example to sort of tee this up <clears throat> As I mentioned, my son's a freshman going to a very large state university. I won't mention the name. And he received the Florida Bright Future Scholarship, graduated from high school here in Seminole County. Go Seminoles. He uh, has an address here in Seminole County, received all his mail from the school and every bit of communication. When he applied, he was accepted, enrolled. They had him as out-of-state status, which impacted his financial aid. So they were showing on his bursar statement the tuition that was four times what it should have been. And no matter what we did, no matter who we tried to speak to, and we really couldn't speak to anyone, it wouldn't change. Now, luckily his dad is in the higher ed space. He understands it. But for the average parent who they don't know, they're looking at that going, okay, because it says payment due. I would have, that would have been for sure been me. Like if I would have gotten that bill, I don't ever question it. I never yeah. questioned it. And for all I know, I could have been paying more. I could have been paying out of out of state tuition for all I knew because yeah. I didn't know any better. And if I did, I didn't even know how to solve it. Well, and here's the problem: either you pay it because you got the money and you just pay it, or what happens in a significant number of cases, you freak out and you drop out. Because you're like, I can't pay $8,000 this oh, semester. Another sad scenario is you just take student loans and, yeah, and, exactly. you, and you think you're solving the problem by clicking a button of getting student loans. Yeah, they make it very easy for you to, <laughs> to apply right? for the money. A very easy. And yeah. so then what happens is that you just kick the can down the road. Absolutely. He went from when it finally got solved. In fact, it literally finally got solved. Well, almost fully solved. He got his status addressed and changed. Now the financial aid has changed. But he literally went from owing... $7,800 to they owe us money. <laughs> and that's how quickly it can change 
because I made a bunch of phone calls. I knew this wasn't right. Yeah. I read I, I read it and understood. What, I knew exactly what had happened. I just needed to get someone. The average person is going to know. And so you have every right as a student. I don't know if you know this. The law says if you're interested in financial aid, you can literally go to any college in the country, walk in and say, I need to talk to financial aid, and they're required by law to help you. I, I did not know that. At any school. Even if it's not the school that you want to attend. They're required. So the financial aid advisors can advise you for any school. They can, they shouldn't, and you should never talk to someone at a school, school A, about a school B. But my point being, financial aid support is statutory. It's part of the Title IV regulations. Title IV is the uh, regulatory statute that allows schools to use federal dollars for education. Title IV belongs to the student. And this routed to the school, which is why students sometimes get stipends because they get more financial aid than the tuition costs, so they get the check, which yeah. is an abuse, and you should never do that because uh, you still owe the money. But Title IV is all about financial aid. Yeah. And when schools run afoul of regulations, they lose access to Title IV. They have to shut down. So federal financial aid is a huge deal, and they're supposed to help you because the government doesn't want you spending a dollar more than you should because it's all of our money. Right, yeah. So they've got it. There's things like how much time it takes for them to refund dollars and all that the school get in trouble for. So bottom line, ask questions, don't accept no, and remember what you're paying for. There's almost always, particularly for your first 60 credit hours, almost always a cheaper way to get those same credits if you just ask. Okay, so you, and I know you just mentioned something that it's almost generally cheaper for your first 60 hours. So there's no such thing as a perfect scenario. Right. And I understand that. I think the audience will understand that. But what would be the cheapest route yep. to get a four-year degree from a top in-state university like right. UCF, UF. UF, exactly. I mean, the best university is UF. UCF, sure. UCF, UCF. <coughs> UCF, right? UF, UF. No, UCF, right? <laughs> so what would be the cheapest route gotcha. to get a four-year bachelor's degree from UCF? Sure. And could we potentially compare it to the traditional route if you went into as a freshman? Right. So UCF is a great example. I'm going to use UF, UF only because I know it okay, a little better. Okay, let's do UF. My, my, That's fine. I, a, I know that school just right. a little bit better. Go Gators then. So <clears throat> notwithstanding, so for UF and, and UCF is actually somewhat similar. Just so you know, the online program at UF is a lot cheaper than the, than the on-ground program. UF is going to be like $120 a credit hours, give or take. The on-ground is going to be $212, I believe. And those are in-state? In-state tuition. And usually out-of-state is a rule. It's going to be like three, three, three to, to four, four times. Okay. Yeah, it's like five-something credit hours for okay. out-of-state. My point, though, is, and, and UF's not that much different. My point, though, is online at UF or UCF is not that much more expensive than a community college. So that's one way to do it. But okay. let's just take a ground, typical ground student. If right. it was me, and I was looking to get a degree from UCF, the cheapest way possible, and I was a junior or yep. senior high school. Because at the end of the day, right, <clears throat> my degree is going to say it. It's going to say it. doesn't you. say how you got there. It, it just says how, just you, how you, got, you, yeah. got, you got there. So I would take at least 15 hours of CLEP tests, which would be five classes for free. If you can do 30 even better. So I'm going to say 30. 30 hours, which is 10 club tests. 
It's not that difficult. They're not super hard tests. Certainly a much better deal than AP, because AP, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of AP. So let's say you did 30 hours of CLEP. Okay. You transfer that over. You added 30 more hours of community college. Okay. All in, that's about $3,000 to $3,400 for 60 hours. You now have an associate's degree. That's half, right? You're half. halfway there. You've got an associate's degree for around $3,000, less than $3,500. Okay. You take those credits. You transfer them into the school. You then see if you could take a semester of transient or dual enrollment. So let's right? say you were able to So let's do say that's another 12 hours. Okay. Right? If you did dual enrollment for 12 hours, that's about $1,400, $1,500. So now I've got, let's say 15 uh, hours. So now I've got 75 hours that's cost me less than $5,000. Okay. Right? So now you need another, the remaining uh, 20, 25, so 45 hours remaining. You then, if they have flat tuition, and I can't recall offhand whether UF or UCF has flat tuition, but I would take... This is a you, perfect scenario. But so. perfect scenario, <laughs> yeah. then, if you can do 18 hours for at least two of those semesters, let's assume that six of those are free. So you do that for two semesters. That's 36 yeah. hours over two semesters. You've now got nine hours left. So that's three classes left. Or you take your four-hour classes if you can, but... 18 hours, 36, and another, another nine hours, that's 45. If I get those 45 credits for the cost of 12, 24, 33, then you're looking at, let's say, 33, and it's 221 an hour, another 72. So all in, you're talking a degree, and this is very rough numbers. I'd have to go to a spreadsheet and tell you exactly. You can get that degree for definitely less than $15,000. And so, like... I want to make sure that everybody understands this. This is a best case scenario. This is right. still very hypothetical. And this is not dorm. This is not this dorm. Is food plan. This is just tuition, yeah, right? This is just this tuition. Is the minimum. But what we're trying to do is, is show a point, right? Like, and, and so now let's say somebody goes in right from high school and takes all their credits at UF or at, you know at a state university. What are we looking at? And this so, is we're saying again. They, they every class they took kind of towards their major. Yes. Yeah. So if it's two twenty one an hour, and again I'm not one hundred percent sure what that number is at, at UF, but let's say it's around two twenty one an hour, one hundred twenty credit hours. That's twenty six five twenty. I bet a student who was just looking to strap down and save as much as they can can save somewhere close to, if not a little bit more than ten grand on that twenty six five twenty, which is forty percent. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's huge. That is huge. So think of it this way. <clears throat> if you've got a, if your parents or you have a 529 or Florida prepaid, think about the fact that the difference between a degree at $15,000, $16,000 versus a degree at twenty six and up, just the amount of money to invest or start later in your, in your youth to get that for free is huge. It's huge. And here's even better. If you've got Bright Futures scholarship here in the state, if you've got the top level, fantastic. But if you've got that second level Bright Futures, it still covers a, a decent amount. That means you can still go to school for free. Wow. Yeah. Free, and free is awesome. The number yeah. one rule to me, as far as going to college today, graduate with no debt. If you can do that, you've got a head start and you can make choices instead of being forced into choices when you graduate. 
I mean, this was so insightful. I, I, I think the audience is going to definitely take a lot away. And, you know, obviously, if you're a student already and you can't start all over and you can't go through that scenario that Dale just shared with us, it's what you do moving forward. And, and it's about the decisions that you do moving forward and what can you still do to make those changes. Um, Dale gave three very specific points of advice. But Dale, so my last question to you, if we could break down, we've been speaking now for about half an hour. Mm -hmm. I know time flies. <laughs> to one to three bullet points that you would want the students to take away, what would that be? Sure. Check your catalog for CLEP rules. Check your catalog for transient or dual enrollment rule while you're in school. Right? And then double check your financial aid situation every single year. Make sure it's correct. Don't accept what the school tells you. If it doesn't feel right, it's, that means it's probably not right. No offense against financial aid folks, but they're dealing with thousands and thousands of students. Double check it every year. Update your financial background every year. Your financial aid award can change. It can change every single year and sometimes to the good. And remember what you're paying for. You're not going to school to get loans. You're not right. getting credit. You, you've got to get 120 credits, but not all credits are the same. So don't pay $1,200 or even $600 for a sociology class if you don't have to. Dell, I mean, like I said, this is amazing advice. Um, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your business schedule to share this with us. Uh, definitely we'll have you linked on our LinkedIn post so that people see it and connect with you. And, and any companies out there that are looking to get resources, get connected with Dell, he's a great person to help your employees connect to the right university. And Dell, in front of everybody, thank you so much. You've been a blessing and I look forward to having everybody else on the next episode. Thank you. Thank you. If you've listened thus far to this episode of the podcast, you absolutely rock. But now I need your help. Please make sure you subscribe and leave me a review. Thank you so much and talk to you soon. Bye.